Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am speaking with Jeannie Moravitz-Smith, who creates breakthrough experiences from the inside out, allowing her clients to create an extremely healthy relationship with themselves and others. Thank you for joining us, Jeannie. Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. Thank you. So let me introduce Jeannie. She is the founder and CEO of Dynamism Leadership, formerly HRRX, a leadership coaching and consulting firm established in 2005. Jeannie has helped thousands of leaders learn how to take charge of the catabolic thoughts and feelings that control their mind and how to use anabolic energy to act and embrace change. Prior to HRRX, she held executive leadership roles at a variety of organizations. Jeannie holds certifications in leadership coaching, energy leadership, and human management, as well as a Master of Science degree in human resources. Such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. So I want to get started with the question that's going to be on everyone's mind right now. Where is everybody going? What's going on with this great resignation? So where, what I'm seeing is a lot of people start getting out of the work world, corporate world and going out on their own. Yeah. They're actually realizing they're, and I, 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 I can really respect this in them. They're understanding their true feelings and their true passions. Mm-hmm. And what surfaced when the surface was during 2020, when they had downtime, they yeah. weren't in that hustle bustle driving to work. All of a sudden they're like, hold on, what does life really mean to me? Mm. So a lot of people are out becoming their own bosses and their own leaders of their organizations. And that's really great. But where are the employees, right? So the leaders (laughs) I'm working with, they're saying, wow, we're short staffed. And I know we can all experience, we're experiencing this when you go to restaurants. Yeah. When you go any service related industry, you're realizing, wait, where's the staff? There's even signs at like the car, the car, um, when you take your car in for repair, mm-hmm. it's like, please be kind to those who showed up today. Oh, and, yeah. um, but yeah, where are they going and what, what's happening in the organization? So everyone's starting their own business, mm-hmm. but in the work world, like now, what are we going to do? How are we going to show up differently so that we can attract and retain that top talent? That's the number one expense for businesses is staff. Yeah. So you want to attract the right staff that's mm-hmm. going to really support the company's goals. And you also want to retain them, which is hugely important. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It is so hard to keep good staff now. And so, you know, having the staff that you feel is, is really, you know, with you for the long haul is rare. And, you know, I think it's also that, you know, the, the generations that had that loyalty, innate loyalty, they're kind of all retiring and phasing themselves out of the workforce. And so now we have a different type of workforce. So I think it's it's people learning to manage in a new way and inspire and gain that loyalty in a new way. And so that, that's the challenge. It, it is such a challenge. And leaders who 
we do things the way we do it because we always did and it was successful aren't right. going to be successful. Mm-hmm. They like you just said, the generations are wanting something different. They're not our parents who were devoted to Lockheed or Martin Marietta for 30 years only right. to get laid off. Sure. And they saw that. So that was coming prior to 2020. They saw that coming. They saw their parents being laid off after being devoted to an organization for 30 years. Oh, absolutely. They're like, wait a minute. I thought they were going to retire from this company. Mm-hmm. And so that started early on with the Gen X and the Gen Ys are like, wait a minute, I want something different. Oh, yeah. And so I encourage my clients to listen to your staff. Ask them. I've often said, hey, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you talk. Ask them what's important to them. Have one-on-one meetings with them on a regular basis. Hey, how am I doing as a leader? Grade me or give me a performance review. What can I do to help you be more successful? And and do those things because that's what the organizations need and be flexible. It's not about just doing things the way you always did. It's time to listen yeah, be very flexible. And you'd be surprised how the organization could be extremely successful. I've seen full 100 percent, 300 company, 300 people, companies, 100 percent remote way wow. prior to when we were forced to be remote. And it was mm-hmm. super successful. Wow. So, you know, when when you're talking about the generational differences, what are the newer generations looking for when they're when they're mo- uh, moving into a new job? What do you think is there? What do you think is what what is going to keep them? I think the number one thing right now is they want to feel like they're adding value. And that's actually no different than all of us ever. Yeah, all I ever wanted to do is feel like I was adding value to the organization and be rewarded, but not necessarily with monetary bonuses, but be rewarded with something as simple as, hey, thank you. The team yeah. couldn't have done it without you. So they want acknowledgement. They do want balance. I am. Mm-hmm. I always say this about, yes, my assistants are in their 20s, right? And so when I say, I really admire the way that you think, and I love the way that you're setting up work-life balance, mm-hmm. and it's just what they know and what they expect. I'll speak for myself. I used to work 14 hour days and wonder why I was hungry. Well, because it's 4.30 and you haven't even eaten anything, that kind of thing. They don't do that. They love to have their full life balance. And so Mm -hmm. give them that. And if it me and, and what's really important to it, bring it down to the individual level. When are you most productive? So if Jeannie's most productive at 7 a.m., let her work from 7 a.m. to whatever. And if if Angela's most productive at 10 to 7, let her work those hours. Or maybe it's not even eight-hour shift. Maybe it's 10 four days or or whatever it is. Maybe they only want to work on the weekend because they want to spend quality time with their children during the week, during the summer. Right. Flexibility. Flexibility and asking them what they want because the younger generations – will tell you Mm -hmm. the older generations of which I I'm generation X, I would not necessarily me, which is why I stood out from the crowd, but a lot of my coworkers would tell the boss what they want to hear. Right. I would tell the truth. And I would joke around about that. Jack Nicholson saying, if you can't handle the truth, don't ask me. Right. Right. (laughs) And so I, I was kind of a little oddball out, but the younger generations will definitely tell you when you ask them, ask them what's important to them. And not just one time, ask them all the time, because it might seem they're culturally different 
might challenge them to be honest the first time, but keep asking them what's important to them and show that you care, not just about them as an employee, but as a person. And you'd be amazed at how devoted they are. Yeah, I I love that. So yeah, because we I have uh, different generations that work with me and my company. And, um, you know, it, it is, you know, there's a definite work ethic difference amongst them, but I think you can still find that same motivation. You just have to find it in a different way. You have to pull it out of them in a different way. And uh, being, you're right, flexibility is key. So I love that. So you talk a little bit about how to build a culture of trust. So when you're building an organization and, you know, for me, so I am a Leo and I very much value loyalty, right? Loyalty is extremely important to me. Trust is extremely important to me, but I'm one of those where once you break my trust, it's really hard for me to have that same type of relationship. You know, I might still be able to work alongside of you, but it's going to be a different type of relationship. So how do you build a culture of trust where, where coworkers, coworkers can trust each other, where management can trust their employees? How do you do that? And how especially do you do that with remote teams? Great questions. So you mentioned that once you've lost trust, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, your manager, your leader let you down, mm-hmm. you will never forget how that moment in time made you feel. Correct. You may forget the words that were said, but it's how the person's going to feel. I highly recommend leaders put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. with a fle- with flexibility and an open mind. And some leaders, yes, you've been really successful getting to where you are. But now it's time to make some change. You have to be open and willing to change yourself if Mm -hmm. you want them to change as well. And so it's really hard to regain trust. So I recommend to leaders, don't break that from the beginning. So never, ever, number one, do not tell somebody you're going to do something unless you can execute on it. I had so many leaders promise, 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 promise. And how could they possibly give that to all eight people? Right. When it, if you gave it to all eight, it's not even a possibility because they're, they're working against each other. So that's a big no, no tell people and it's totally okay to say, Hey, you know what? I made a mistake. I, you know, be real, keep, be authentic, show up, show your true self, even if it's not perfect because yeah. nobody's perfect. We're human. So show up authentically, speak the truth respect others, give them a chance to show themselves their true self. Don't make them put on that hat when they get off the elevator and show up in some role that you expect of them. Right. See the whole person and continually ask them their opinion and don't hold it against them if they speak up. That's yeah. probably the biggest thing. I remember being in meetings and they would ask me and they would go around the whole room And everybody would tell them what they wanted to hear. I mentioned this a few minutes ago. And then I would say, well, so I'm going to be the oddball. And this is this is this. But you can't now hold it against them for being honest. If you ask for something, be willing to get the truth. And then you say, you know what? I and and you can agree to disagree. But thanks for sharing your opinion. That's really important to the organization. And I think over time, People will start believing. And you know what? Even if I speak up and I say something that's 
you know, not what they're expecting to hear. I'm not going to be punished for that. I'm still going to have my job and they're going to ask me next time my opinion. I think that's really how you gain the trust. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, not, I, I agree. I like your sentiment that when you say don't punish them for telling you the truth, that's, that's important. And I think, you know, leaders, we, we tend to, to say, oh, it's just business and we're just running a business. But at the same time, you know, we, we do deeply care for our employees and we do deeply care for our business and our operations and want to make sure everything goes well. And I think it hurts our feelings and, and it comes across in a different way. You know, when, when somebody does something that we don't feel like is in alignment with, you know, our goals or our expectations of them, then, you know, it, it hurts us. It hurts our feelings. And then we react in a way that, I feel is, is probably not as good um, in terms of, you know, maintaining those relationships. You just said the trigger word for me and it's react. Uh-huh. So we always want to be able to respond to a situation rather than react to it. React right. is from a feeling that something we're triggered on. It could be when we were a child, whatever it is, somebody says something like, I don't know. You know, when you did that presentation yesterday, you stuttered and then it's like, oh, it triggers. Wait, I did that when I was made fun of as a kid. And so then you react. But you really want to be able to understand what your core values are. And when they're being compromised, you Mm -hmm. can then go, oh, I get it. I get why I wanted to react, but I'm now going to respond to the situation. Within a matter of seconds, you've changed the entire conversation and how, because you can't remember, you can't take those words back. Right. How they feel. So you got to be really careful of responding. You really want you. I mean, you want to respond versus react. Absolutely. Okay. Well, great. Great advice. Thank you for that. So with leading remote teams, a lot of, you know, this is our new reality that we're leading remote teams or we're offering flexibility. So as a business leader, how do I, how do I ensure that my team is doing what they need to do remotely? And if I can't ensure it, how do I trust? So great. So it takes me back to like 20 years ago when we had um, engineers who would work remote. Right. And I was in human resources. I go, I want to work from home. And they're like, well, how do we know you're not doing laundry? I go, what if I am doing laundry? Right. So what? Like that means, what if that means I'm going to do my work at nine o'clock? Like it makes me just more productive, which is funny because fast forward to 2022, that's the balance that everybody's loving right now. You get all done during the week. You can have a spare day on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you ensure you get them involved? You have, if it's all online, say if you have a quarterly in-person meeting, you make that meaningful. Like, don't just have a meeting to have a meeting. How is it going? What interactions or what... um, what uh, like games or whatever you're going to do to get people really feeling like they belong in person or on Zoom. So you can always have, if you're on Zoom in every single meeting and you're not going to meet for the next three years, we're only going to be remote. How do you do that? You get to know them, get to know them, ask them something personal, like, I don't know, I can look in your background or in, and ask you something about it. Or at the beginning of the meeting, let's just say there's 20 people in your staff Mm -hmm. and you meet every Monday and Friday. So this Monday, we're going to spend the first two minutes. We're going to run around the run around the room, run around the zoom and ask, tell me one thing about your weekend or 
Tell me, how are you feeling about what happened on Friday's news? Let's just talk about it briefly. But as the leaders set the ground rules, Mm. we're going to spend one minute each. It's not going to be bashing. It's just tell me the number one or two things that are on your mind about this. So that way they can say, you know what? Wow, Sheer, he cares about me, understands what I may be going through. And okay, I had an opportunity um, in my peers to talk about it. And then who knows, maybe you and I, Angela, were like, hey, let's meet tomorrow online over coffee and talk that out. So you're actually still making those relationships with your staff, even though you're remote. remote. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Cause it adds a personal touch. It makes it, you know, cause those water cooler conversations are what people fear are going to disappear, right? That relationship yes. building rapport building that, you know, Hey, how was your weekend? Did your, you know, did your son pitch at the baseball game? You know, yeah. those, those are the questions that we fear we're missing out on when, when we're all remote and we don't have that water cooler conversation, that break room conversation. Yes. And I think leaders take the time up front. It's that whole planning concept. If you mm-hmm. take a few minutes up front, the meeting will be that much more efficient. They will start listening. They've gotten that off their chest, whatever it is. And some people are like, we need to jump right into the business. Mm-hmm. Well, actually you don't. If you take a few minutes to allow your staff to be heard and felt feel like they belong, you're going to have much more productive. Okay. Whatever it is. So yeah, yeah. take the time. It's only a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So, so we're talking about um, building trust and we're talking about managing remotely and being flexible. Um, And all of these are really critical, I think, in, in the new way to do business, because, you know, we, we were talking before the podcast that, you know, we do things because that's the way it's always been done. And that may not always be, you know, the best way to do it. So when we're talking about change, right. And sometimes it's our generation, that Gen X, that baby boomer, those are the generations that we have to give, you know, the the tools to change. Give me some tools that people can use to create transformational change in their organization. Mm. I think so. There's a lot of tool tools that you can purchase or use or training programs. I think the number one thing that every leader should focus on is the lines of communication. Mm. And that would, I just, I immediately like, nope, we got to talk about communication always, 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 and keep those lines open. And if that means manager, your staff has your, your cell phone and they can text you at any time. If there's just, Hey, I just want to run this by you really fast. Yeah. Then they can be more productive. But I think between the generations, it's the same thing I've been kind of saying is ask them what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, 55-year-old, you're about to, maybe you're going to start thinking about retiring. What is it that I could help you with in the organization today? How are you feeling? I know you've been here for 25 years and it's got to, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but it has to seem kind of weird that now we're bringing in people who could easily be your son or daughter. How do you feel? Like ask them their feelings, let them share that because they, if you give them an opportunity to talk, they will tell you and then do something with that material, do something Hmm. with the data that you gather. So again, 55 year old, how are you feeling? What if I teamed you up with that new 25 year old? Why don't you two be like, newbie partners in the organization, right? 
And right. so you not just, Hey, 50, and I keep bringing that up, but not just, Hey, 55 year old, you're to train this person because you're going to be moving out, but how can you all add value? Because if you, that person's been there for 25 years, the value that they bring to the organization is priceless. Mm-hmm. And the newbie coming in, the value they're bringing in is priceless. It's your job to understand what that value is and tie, team them up with people where you can they can be like double, triple the, the value together. Yeah. And, well, and, and I think go ahead. Ahead. No, 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 I was say, just... everyone, everyone just wants to again feel like they're adding value, that they're not being just like, okay, you've done your time, get out. Find what's they what value they can add by asking them. And if they're not going to talk, then, hey, I think this could be good for you. What do you think of this? Or give them three different options. Right, right. so important. Or what training do you need, senior person? Mm -hmm. What are you feeling uncomfortable with? Is it, I don't know, I'm just making stuff. Is it posting on Instagram? Well, maybe we could do a real quick lunch and learn on that skill. Yeah. Because they want to learn too. Right. And I think, you know, that that desire to continue learning and continue to add value is is important for all levels of the organization. But, you know, with with what you were saying, with partnering um, the generational, you know, the the Gen X with the, you know, Gen Z and, you know, kind of partnering them together, I think is so important because one thing that I have found in organizations and, and, and recently I was talking about volunteering at DECA and it was such a great experience because, you know, I wanted to volunteer as an entrepreneur and like kind of give back to youth and community, but I got so much out of it because what I, I really learned about how some of the younger people think, and, and it gave me a chance to really kind of observe from a different level. You know, these are not my employees. These are not my clients. These are, these are people who, who I don't have any tied to. They don't need to tell me anything that, you know, isn't authentic to them. And what I found is the diversity is where you get so much more comprehensive value because like when there were a a female and a male, or it was, you know, two different races, the, the, the comprehensive vision and the comprehensive solutions and problem solving was so much better than if it was all the same. So if you have an organization of all Gen Z or all Gen X or all baby boomers, you're not going to get that diversity of thought. You're not going to get that thought leadership where, you know, you have a combined experience, vision, you know, um, just your life experience is so different. And when you can combine that together, you get so much more value. Absolutely. Think about your customers. They're not all the same. They weren't all born the same generation. And so if you're not looking at how you solve your potential customer's problem with a diverse group of mindset and, and just thoughts, like you said, thought leadership, then you're missing the boat. Yeah. And that, that's sure. the whole point. Like, like we, we can talk about women in business and how key it is to have that just male, female right. gender differences brought to the table. Absolutely. It's, it's so important. So important. And, and I feel very gifted for my generation that I, I pick brains of young 20 year olds. And uh-huh. I actually, a couple of years ago, I partnered up with I called her a newbie. I, she, I go, can I call you a newbie? That's the other thing. Ask. 
Yeah. Don't assume, sure. ask people, Hey, would you be offended if I call you newbie? Cause, but what's the opposite of that old B? Like, I don't want to be an old one. <laughs> we would joke around about that, but we did some training programs on the generational differences. Mm-hmm. And in our research to develop the training, we realized everybody wants the same thing. If you break mm-hmm. it down to one thing, they want to feel like they're adding value. Yeah. So how do you do that? You ask them. Right. And everyone's like, well, I want the solution of how to deal with my 23 year old employee. Well, you know what? It's the same thing. Treat them with dignity and respect. Give them an opportunity to be heard. Ask them how, what would you do in this situation? And just Mm. because you've done it your way a hundred times. So I I would approach it like this. You know, I've done this project before, actually at seven different organizations. I know the end result. So I'm going to share that with you. Why don't you come up with the business plan? And then what you do as a leader is you poke holes in the system peer in just to see how they're doing and hold their hand and ask them, Hey, do you need any help in this process? Like you, it's your job to see where it's going the wrong road and, and stop it in, in, with weekly meetings and saying, Hey, what can I do for you? And if, if they're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Cause they don't want to, you know, show you that they might be messing up. You right. know that. So you offer those coaching skills along the way to keep them on track, but let them own something empowerment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Empowerment. I agree. I agree. Giving people the opportunity to step into their power, you know, and, and to kind of own their, you know, their part of it. So I think that that actually drives people to want to do better, right? So if they think it doesn't matter, then to you, it doesn't matter to them either. And that's when they will bail ship and back to the first conversation, like, where's the employees going? Because they're not feeling like you're letting them own anything. Then especially now. And if, mm-hmm. if you if you want to keep them from going out and starting their own business, because those same people, not everybody can be business owners. Like they can try, I get it. Not everyone is going to be super successful. So they'll be returning in the next couple of years to the work world. Let mm-hmm. them feel like a business owner of their own project. That's mm-hmm. what they want. They want to own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. So tell me a little bit about what inspires you. I mean, so, you know, you're out there helping organizations. How do you find inspiration? Hmm. So I was very fortunate to be raised by a woman who my mother, who could have easily been Brianne Brown or Simon Sinek, if she had those resources. I mean, she, if I really look at everything she told me, advised me, how she led me easily, easily could have written those, all those books I have on my bookshelf and um, incredible. And so she was my inspiration, but she was also an incredible leader. Like I mentioned, she would, my number one fan, she would, um, Jeannie, you can do anything you set your mind to. You just have to figure out how this was way back when, right? And so And she would tell me things like this. And I think this is important for the listeners, men and women. Everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. Nobody's better than you. No, they may be different. They may be already be doing it, whatever. But you know what? No one can replace you. Right. And so she said, if you want to be, she used to tell me this, you want to be the first woman president, you could be that you could be that person. So I grew up with that. Like, well, of course I got to at least try. Right. And I don't want to be the president. So I'm just never okay. going to do that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but she, she also told me what is wrong with a no, right? right? Like what you got to ask for what you want. 
And so in my career, I would, and granted, I was human resources, so I was privy to all the compensation data, but I would go in with all my homework and say, I think I'm, I'm, it, I have justification here for a raise, right? And a lot of people mm. wouldn't do that. Yeah. So it's how you ask for a raise, a promotion. There's skill in that to be learned on how to do it. Now, yeah. I was an HR professional, so I had a little bit of that background. Um, rarely did anybody say no. So my inspiration is driven from internally the way that I was raised. And I actually, my mom passed away last February and I, it is right now, June, I can actually say I am ready to share that I'm putting a program in her honor, a program together in her honor where I can help. It'll probably be starting with women um, on how to build self-esteem and confidence and how to get what you want in life. Yeah. Because I remember people telling me you can't do that. And when somebody tells somebody they can't do something, someone like me, it lights this fire behind me. I'm like yeah. this rocket jetted <laughs> fuel jet. Like, yeah, wait, I can't do it. My mother told me I could do anything I set my mind to. That's right. <laughs> and honestly, if there's a will, there's a way. There is a way to do everything. Mm. And it may not happen tomorrow. And it may not be your way, which is this is something that I've been mentioning about the managers. Be a little more flexible, be willing to learn, be willing to understand where your shortfalls are mm-hmm. and open to change. And guess what? You will get whatever you want out of life, whatever it is. Yeah. If you really, if you really determine what that is and you set goals to get there, you will achieve it. If wow. that's what your burning desire is to do it. And, and I fit so that's really my inspiration is like, I just keep going, keep going like the energizer bunny. And I come, my hardest part, we talked about this earlier is staying as an entrepreneur. I like, Oh, opportunity. I'm going to go run and do that. And I just need to stay in my lane and stay focused. Yes. I understand. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to hear about your mother passing last year. And I think it's beautiful that you're doing something in her honor. And I think she'd be very proud of you for that. So, and I think it is important, you know, for, for us to really kind of share that, that viewpoint of you really can do anything you want to, you really can. The only thing stopping us is us most of the time. And so, you know, the, the idea that we're limited by our circumstances isn't necessarily true. You know, we're, we're limited by the way we think about our circumstances. And so, um, you know, our mindset is, is everything. So if we can just, if we can just get out of our own way, I think we can really do incredible things. 100%. And that's where a lot of my clients, we break down, like you just mentioned, is that really true? And I asked one of the first things I say, like, what's your thought on this? Is Mm -hmm. that really true? What's the truth there? And then we break it down and more times than not, they're like, yeah, actually, that was just an assumption or a belief I had or a limiting belief in this case where it keeps me from doing something. And the reality is, ask yourself, how true are those feelings? How true are those thoughts? More of the thoughts than feelings, because you feel what you feel based on thoughts that you have. But it's absolutely mm-hmm. in your head. Like, 
my mom used to tell me glass half full or glass half empty. And I'm like, well, empty doesn't sound good. I'll take the glass half full. And I always did. And there's always a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now we might, might not always have the answers, which is why you team up with people who do, who right. might've had the experience or have that ability to help you break through those barriers. Yes. A hundred percent. agree with that. So tell me a little bit more about, um, about a time. Cause I mean, this is something that I ask on all the podcasts and I think it's important to note. So tell me about a time that you gave away your power. Cause I think as women, we do that all the time is we give away our power and we say, Oh, it wasn't, you know, I didn't achieve this. It was because of this or, or, you know, we, we step away from our power because we're afraid of owning it. And then tell me about a time that you stepped into your power and what, what made that difference for you in particular? So I have some really good stories over my career and I'm thinking, okay, I know, I know exactly. So there was one, I, I was, I had a, a, my manager and I was senior HR rep. I think that was my title. And every time that we would go into a meeting together, she was actually grooming me for her role. She mm. was going to leave on maternity leave. And she told me secretively she wasn't coming back. So she would have me in these meetings and she was taking credit for all my work. Wow. And I sat there thinking, well, this is just hierarchy. This is what happens in corporate. And just like, this didn't make sense. It didn't feel right. I'd go home at night. I'd be like, my mom wouldn't have just, just accepted this. Like, right. you need to stand up for yourself, which is what she taught me. And so this happened over and over again. And there were, we got to meetings where I developed this performance management system and she couldn't answer some of the nitty gritty questions. So I was sitting there thinking, how long do I stay quiet or do I, how do I say this? Cause I have the right. answers. It's all right. I created it. <laughs> Right. So I finally decided, and I think this is what happens is we hold things in and then it comes out. I reacted versus responded. That's a Mm -hmm. long time ago. And I said, well, I created it this way for this reason, blah, blah, blah. And there, the, the, what do you call it? The cat was out of the bag. She was (laughs) angry as all get up for me for call. Cause now they knew. And every single person looking back on those weekly meetings realized she was taking credit for my work. Wow. She felt I threw her under the bus. So guess what? Now she's going to get rid of me Mm. because I, whatever. And that's what happens. It's unfortunate in the work world. Yeah. So the power there, I said, okay, I get it. I know exactly what's happening here. And it was Paul, it was political. And she felt like I embarrassed her and yes, I did react and I should have responded differently, but I, I'm not quite even sure how, because I really felt I deserved credit for that. Right. And when I would meet her after in the meetings, I mean, after the meeting, she would say, yeah, but I'm the boss. I'm the manager. Oh, wow. Like, oh, interesting. So interesting. So managers, leaders don't do that. Don't ever do that. Right. If anything else, you give your staff credit for the work they've done. They need you in a different advisory role, not to be the one doing it. So give them credit for doing it. Um, so that I ended up saying, that's fine. I will, she wanted me to resign. And I said, I will resign. We're just going to be under my terms mm. and I'm going to take two months and you're going to pay me a full salary. And I'm going to back then I'm going to use your fax machines. I'm going to use your fax machines. I'm going to use your copy machines to make resumes. I'm going to go on interviews while I'm here on your salary because you're wrongfully terminating me. I don't deserve mm. a termination here. And you're asking me to resign. So I took back my power And I, she told me you'll never be a manager. And I actually got a job as a manager title 
making more money than she was. And so that was, that just (laughs) goes to show if it doesn't feel right, men, women, just, it's not like, just stand up for yourself in a respectful way. Right. Respond versus don't versus reacting to situations Mm -hmm. and you'll be much better off elsewhere. So that was, that was one of them. I have um, one other fun story that I, I, if I, if you don't mind me sharing. No, not at all. Okay. So I finally climbed the corporate ladder after, after that, I really felt I did. And I became a VP of human resources. I was finally asked to represent human resources at a board meeting. Wow. And I was so excited because this was huge. This was like a breakthrough for HR that you're actually sure. going to have a seat at the table, the big table. Yeah. So the night before I got my fancy suit on, I was all excited. And so it was the dinner the next night. So I come into the meeting at the office and I walk into the room and the very most senior board of director member came over to me and I thought, oh my God, he's approaching me. Oh my God. Cause here I'm a young, the youngest one, the only female in the room. I'm the youngest one that's going to be sitting at the table. And he says, I would like a cup of coffee. Can you get it for me? Wow. And I was floored. I did not expect that. And I had seconds to make a decision. This is where in when life throws you these kind of crazy curveballs, if you know your value, if you know who you are, if you know what you're passionate about and you have a plan B, you got to have a plan B. You're willing to respectfully stick your neck out because the alternative wasn't going to be any fun. So I said within seconds and I actually look back, go, dang, I don't even know how I pulled this out. I I grabbed him by the hand like a second grade school girl and I skipped him out of the room. And I said, here's the coffee station. This is how you make coffee. And I'm sitting there like turning in. My stomach was like doing flips inside. And I'm watching his face go from almost like a controlling mentality to almost angry to, oh my gosh, I actually respect this young girl. And I was a young woman. And I was mortified, but I thought if I get fired over this, I'm going to be a barista, but somewhere else by my choice. I don't, I don't need to be treated like this. So I proceeded to tell him basically, like they say, teach, bring someone fish and they eat that night. Right. But if you teach them how to fish. So I said, if I, if I go here, now, you know how to do this. You never have to ask somebody like me to do this for you again. Oh, wow. And he was just (laughs) like. So I thought, I thought, oh my God, you know what? I'm going to, on the way back to the board meeting, I'm going to be intercepted by the CEO and I'm going to be fired. (laughs) fired. So the whole time I'm in there, he let me in. I didn't get fired. And after that, this particular board member would save a seat for me. He would stop conversations and say, I don't know. What does Jeannie think? And I would just like almost fall out of my chair. And so I encourage everyone to understand your values there. We have a set of core values that are important to us. And if you don't know what they are, do assessments to figure that out, because then you know when you're triggered and you will know how to respond versus react in every situation. And you only have seconds. Yeah. Only have seconds. Like had I made that gentleman coffee, I'd still be making him coffee. Right. Right. And now I guarantee, I don't think he, I don't think he's ever encountered anybody like me before. And uh, not that it's like, yay, Jeannie. It was more like, I have to s- stick up for everyone who's in this situation. 
Oh yeah. So that they have a right. I earned my right to be there. I climbed the corporate ladder. I deserve to be in that meeting just like he did. Right. And so right. that that's one of my biggest like corporate success stories of standing up for myself, standing up for women, standing up for anybody who's going to be treated like that in the work world. Well, and I applaud you because I am a big, big advocate of once you get that seat at the table, it is not, 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 not so that you can get the men coffee or take the notes. If they say, who's going to take notes? And they look at the one woman in the room and say, Jeannie, you're our note taker today. I I respectfully, I'm so focused on how I'm going to contribute to the meeting. I'm not going to be able to take notes during this, but perhaps Bob can. <laughs> that, that's an excellent response. And absolutely, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the second part of it, 100%. Right. And that's right. You And it's so challenging for men. I mean, I'm sorry, for women, for um, people of color, people of different um, um, sexual orientation, whatever it is, to actually stick up for themselves in situations yeah. like that. So you got to have, maybe you could have like a handful of different responses, but that was, that was perfect. Spot on. And yeah, you don't need to be the note taker either. No. Well, and because, because I feel like when there's not normally a woman, a person of color or, you know, whatever it is, if it's a room of old white men and I'm not coming down on old white men, let's just be realistic though. That's what most board of directors are. But when you're, when you finally get that, you know, seat at the table, make sure that they're not trying to delegate you in or relegate you into a role, you know, like here, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what you're going to contribute. And I don't want you to be, you know, I don't want you to go rogue. You know, we're comfortable here. You know, we're in our comfort zone. So I'm going to put you in a place so that you don't disrupt our comfort zone. And that's not okay. That's giving your power away. And so I I am a big advocate of, you know, keeping that if you if you're going to have a seat at the table, own that seat at the table. Don't let anyone tell you what you are and are not to do at that seat at the table. Your voice is as equally important as everybody else's. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And if you find like, I don't know what to do in this situation, mm-hmm. team up with somebody who's been there, done that and pick their brain. Like yeah. it's, it's important. Know what, know that it's okay to not know everything. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know yet. So just find it out. And if you're in, and oh, one other really great thing that I've shared with a lot of leaders, it's okay to say, I don't know. Right. I don't know, but I will get an answer for you tomorrow at noon and then come back with it at 10. Mm -hmm. That is huge. Even if you're, even if you're facing the CEO and you were hired, well, I hired you to be VP of HR. You should know all those answers. So I'm human. I don't possibly know all these answers. I don't know, but I will find out. And when you come back, you've done all the data. You impress them with what you've done and and then they trust you. That's a great way to build the trust the other way too. Sure. So just, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I've met so many people who are, well, I can't be seen as weak. It's not weak. You're human. Mm -hmm. Another great way to answer the question is, you know, I have my thoughts on that particular question, but I'd rather give you the courtesy of doing my research properly and coming back to you with a more thorough response. So I will do that by noon tomorrow. And that is beautiful instead of, I don't know, because I don't know is kind of like 
Well, it, it's just, you know, you want to make sure that people understand that you do have thoughts about it. Or if you don't know, if you genuinely don't know, be like, I'd love to research that a little bit further and give you a, a, a response that I feel good about, you know, and, yeah, and just buy true. yourself some time. And, and then by all means, follow up on that, you know, make sure you're following up on that response. Because if you say, I'm going to get you the information and then you ghost them, that's not very professional at all. So, right. And uh, then, then they don't trust you. So next time correct. they're not going to give you that extra time to find out. That's right. That's right. So what would you give your, uh, what advice would you give your 18 year old self going out on your journey? That's a really great question. I, I, when I was 18, I was going to be a flight attendant. Oh, wow. hundred percent flight attendant, travel the world, live right. in a suitcase. Yeah. And I, my parents didn't have money for college, so that wasn't even an option. So flight attendant school is perfect. Yeah. And then I was about to go like next week and I would, and to the program. And I started thinking, you know what? I don't want to live in a suitcase with an apartment in Newark, New Jersey on a pager with 15 other flight attendants sleeping on a floor as my suitcase is my pillow. I just, I, I I don't feel that that's me. Mm. And so, um, I liked that about myself at 18. I called that shot and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I ended up signing up for junior college. So I think, and then I went on and came to San Diego for my undergrad and then my master's program. So there is hope okay. for those who, who can't afford college. You can figure it out. I ended oh, up. Oh yeah. Um, so my advice would be pause listen to yourself, listen, your, 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 your intuition will never let you down, but you have to pause and listen to it. Yeah. If you're not listening, you're missing a really good, uh, really good advice. And this is from Mm -hmm. your internal self. So I actually did listen and I went the route that was more suited for me. Yeah, I ended up making enough money to travel wherever I wanted to go. And so it all worked out. I just didn't have to do it at 18. Yeah. Um, And the advice that I would give others is that same thing. Stop and listen. What's important to you? Maybe take the time and go through a program or something to find out what you're passionate about. And I noticed in middle school, they're actually teaching courses on passion. Like what, what I love it. I love it because we didn't even hear about it until not that long ago. We never thought it was, we never knew it was important. (laughs) It wasn't important. And like, what drives you, what sets Mm -hmm. your soul on fire? Where do you Mm -hmm. think you can really enjoy life? And given that it is sacred and there's not, tomorrow's not guaranteed to anyone. What are you going to do today? That is super enjoyable for you and figure that out, figure that out before you, like my husband started college and was like, this is, this isn't nothing. He didn't like anything in it. Right. So it's like that same thing, figure out what you really enjoy. Don't just do it because someone wanted you to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, when you're talking about pause, that's one thing I don't think we we realize is essential to our well-being, right? And so I think that's what 2020 taught us when we talked about, you know, people had time to reflect on what's important to them. And I think I, I call 2020, and I hate referring to this, you know, silly pandemic. I I am not a fan. <laughs> My business had to shut down for five months. Um, but I uh, I call it the gift of time. 
because, you know, I've been running so fast. I mean, I was, I've been working since I was 13 and it was always just schedule, 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 you know, I'm very type A. So I, I've always been running as fast as I possibly can. And that was the first time I think in my entire life that I was forced to really slow down and consider what it is that I want to do. And that's when I, I started doing some business coaching and, and started thinking about this podcast. And it took me still after that a little while to put all, all the pieces together. But, you know, that, that was a passion thing. It was, it was a passion project is helping other people build themselves up and get through their careers and, you know, kind of figure out what it is that they're passionate about as well. Yeah. I, um, I think that is great way to look at 2020 and it's so true. So true. I look back at all those things that year, you know, it's, it's amazing, but understanding what you personally are passionate about. And then being able, when you hire people to understand what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. So you can't just go, so Angela, what are you passionate about in an interview, right? right. You need to ask certain behavioral based questions that will give you those answers mm-hmm. without asking them straight up what that is. Right, and then right. you can see if they're a good fit. Cause I, you, you spend a lot of time hiring in the hiring process. Right. You want to make sure that you have someone that's passionate about your business and their role in your business. And that's another reason how that and why they'll stick around. Absolutely. They love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. A hundred percent. So what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that they can do anything they set their mind, their mind to. And we yes. talked about that earlier. And a lot of people are like, well, I can't do that because I grew up in this type of home, or I can't do that because I didn't go to college, or I can't do that because I have five kids, or I can't do that because I have a wife who likes to shop at Nordstrom's, or I can't do that. And it's like, hold on, mm-hmm. last half full. Right. There's no, my mom, again, I know my mom sounds like some saint. I'm so I, the more people I talk to about my mom, they realize how they tell me how fortunate I was to have the relationship I had with her. Yeah. And I realize that. And I can talk yeah. about it without choking up now. Like it's, she's given me such, such energy to just thrive even more and help people who didn't have that type of role model. Yeah. But I told my son, there's no such word as can't. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can do it. If you really right. want to, you can do it. And this is, I, I, I help people create, here's your goal. Now let's break it down to micro chunks, micro yeah. chunks. If you only have 30 minutes today, what are you going to do towards that goal? If you have three hours tomorrow, what is it going to be towards that goal? It doesn't. So, so if Angela achieved it in three days, it doesn't mean three months that it takes you is wrong or three right. years. It's okay. Slow the roll. If you slow the roll, you have that much more time to marinate your ideas and come up with something incredible. So just do it on your terms, on your time, and it's going to be magnificent. Awesome. I love it. Very good advice. Very, very good advice for anyone who's listening, because I um, 100% agree with you that, um, yeah, that, that, people are capable of so much more than they give themselves mm. credit for. Yeah, You know, that Winnie that. the Pooh, that Winnie the Pooh saying, we're smarter than we think we are. We're braver than they believe. Or I don't even know the, yeah. the exact thing right now, but that was something that was always on my wall as a child. <sighs> yes, absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much. Our time has come to an end today, but I really have enjoyed our conversation and I think it's going to bring so much value to our audience. And I am super, super, super excited that you took the time to talk with me today. Yeah. Thanks so, for having me. I can't believe it went by so fast. I know. I know. So we talk for hours. <laughs> I know. So uh, you can find Jeannie on our uh, website at prettypowerfulpodcast.com. And um Please do keep in touch, Jeannie. I think you are an amazing gift and I am so appreciative of your time today. Oh, thank you, Angela. It was so nice to get to know you. Absolutely. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time, and until then, step into your own power.